I'm excited for Jake and Elizabeth. I'll tell you what. Uh, you guys don't know what it is yet, right? No? All right. Juliet's going to have a playmate, so that's a blessing. I've always wondered if God would uh, punish Elizabeth by giving her a boy. Can you imagine another Jake running around? I mean, unbelievable. So, anyway, that'll be interesting, that's for sure. But then again, Juliet's probably like her mother, so I guess Jake's being punished in life. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Church family, you can turn to Joshua tonight, and we're going to start in chapter number six tonight, Joshua six. But before we read like normal, I want to pray and ask God's blessing, Joshua chapter number six tonight. I'll give you a second to head that direction. Thanks for being here tonight. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the day. Uh, Lord, thank you again for letting us gather together. And um, what a joy it is that Christians can uh, have family, church family, and we can, again, have good Christian fellowship. I just ask you to please bless the service tonight. And uh, in the sense of your preaching of your word, give liberty and power. And uh, Father, may you again be good to glory. And then, Lord, the thought tonight, may uh, all of us tonight take it to heart. And uh, Father, again, help those who might have special needs tonight in their heart that are heavy. Lord, I just ask you to please answer that. And uh, Father, again, thank you for the joy and the good news. Thank you for the life that you give. Uh, Father, again, the children that are being born here at Heritage, help each of them to grow up to serve you. And Lord, thank you for what you do for us. Now, Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, um, before I begin reading out of Joshua chapter 6, I want to look at just some pinpoint some verses here out of Joshua chapter 6, 7, and 8. We understand that Joshua chapter 6, if we, if we were to read the chapters, we understand. Joshua chapter 6, you have the walls of Jericho falling down. In Joshua chapter number 7, you've got the story of Achan. Obviously, he had stolen at Jericho, and so he was punished. And then in Joshua chapter number 8, you have the conquest of Ai. When we look at Joshua chapter 6, 7, and 8, um, it would be my opinion that the thing that gets the most attention is Achan. I would say that when we think about Achan and how he stole uh, what God said not to steal, and then how he was stoned to death, uh, that it was a, it's, a, it's a really a, a prominent part of the story. Uh, and again, there's so many truths to that, and we'll probably allude to some of those tonight. But I want to kind of show you something I think that's uh, another, if I can say, large principle or teaching about uh, this story of Achan. And really, it, it encompasses these three chapters, and I won't have to read all three chapters. You'll see where we're going uh, right away. And here's the principle tonight. Look at your Bible now in Joshua chapter number 6. And I want you to pick it up in verse number 3. In Joshua chapter 6, verse number 3. And again, we understand verse number one, uh, it says that uh, they come to Jericho in verse number two, and the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. In verse number three, look what God says, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once, thus shalt thou do six days. Now we understand, we, you all know the story, they march around the walls of Jericho once each day on the seventh day, they march around seven times. But the key phrase that I want, to, want you to catch tonight is in verse number three, that first part. It says, and ye, God speaking now, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war. All right, now that, that you're going to see it, I think, in just a moment, but this is interesting. If you go to the next chapter in chapter number seven, I want you to notice what the people said. All right, look at your Bible again. Joshua chapter seven and verse uh, number, let's pick it up in verse number two. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Now look at verse 3. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, 
but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither, but for they are few. Now, uh, this it might not mean much to you, but when you go to the very next chapter, I want you to look what God says about this. Now, look at the next chapter, chapter number eight. All right, chapter number eight, look at verse number one. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. Verse number three, so Joshua rose and all the people of war. The last phrase, verse number four, but be ye all ready. First phrase, verse number five, and I and all the people. And church family, it mentions it, I think four, five, maybe six more times in the chapter here. Now here's, what I want, here's the thought I want you to catch tonight and I wanna deal with for just a moment here. When the children of Israel went into Jericho, God didn't say, okay, some of you march around the walls of Jericho and everybody else can relax. He said, I want everybody to march around the walls of Jericho. When they got to Ai, yes, you have the sin of, of Joshua, or I'm sorry, of Achan, and we'll, we're going to talk about that. But what I want you to see is, is that the people's mentality, not God's, when it came to Ai, they didn't even ask God how many people are supposed to go in. They just said, okay, what do you, you guys go check it out. Tell me what you think. And they said, don't let everybody do it. it only, it's only going to take, and by the way, there were only 12,000 people who died at Ai, 12,000. All right, so we're talking in the tens of thousands, actually hundreds of thousands when you talk about Israel, but God still wanted everybody there. All right, he wanted them all there. And the reason they wanted AI, yes, they got the sin out of the camp, but they wanted AI because they did it the way God wanted it done. How did he want it done? He wanted it all. He wanted everybody. Now tonight, I want to talk for a few moments on this I thought on the importance of all. I want to show you some things from this passage on the importance of everybody. You know, when you go to the New Testament and you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and God refers to the church as the body, and he says that every member is necessary. That's what God said, every member is necessary. That means the, the, the children's choir and the five-girl quartet that was up here a moment ago, and then the two fellows that sang tonight, and the congregation that is a singing, the people who are taking care of the nursery. God said that every member is, ne well, except for Jeannie Matthews, but every member is necessary, all right? Every member, I'm sorry, John, I just came out, okay? Uh, every member is necessary. I'm just trying to tell you tonight that God needs you here. All right, even Jeannie. God needs everybody. All right, God needs everybody. Now, the importance of all, and I want to point out some things about the story here that God's trying to teach us. Now, quickly, let's look at our Bible. Look, I want you to look back at chapter number six, and I'm going to give you three thoughts concerning this, this story, and it's going to cover the three chapters, but just portions or small verses. But in Joshua chapter six, look at verse number 18 now. In Joshua 6, verse number 18, the Bible says, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Verse 19, But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. All right, now, church, I mean, we understand that what takes place next is that they go to Ai and they lose, right? Look at chapter 7, verse number 1. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass. Now, church family, who stole at, jo at Jericho? Who's the one that stole? Talk to me. It was Achan. But God said in chapter 7, verse number 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass. In fact, look at verse number 11, chapter 7, verse 11. And uh, here's what God said. Israel has sinned, and they have also trespassed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing. Now, it's interesting to me, that only one person stole, but God said Israel trespassed. Now tonight, I, I'm not under the impression tonight that if you steal from God that we're all guilty, but I will say we're all affected. You know why? Because we're a body. We're a body of Christ. You let me stomp on your pinky 
and let's find out if it doesn't affect your whole body. All right, it will affect your whole body. Now, I'm just trying to tell you tonight that what Joshua, or I'm sorry, what Achan did, he was the one person that stole, but God, he acknowledged the importance of all. Now, tonight, I, I want to say, first of all, it is important that all stay right with God. Achan did not stay right with God. He affected everybody else, the entire camp. They went to the next battle. They lost. Now, I don't think I'm going to tell you anything you haven't heard before, but I just want to uh, just say it because it's part of the passage here. But the reason uh, the sin was so bad that Achan did is because he took the first fruits. Out of all the different cities that they're going to fight against, Jericho was the only city that God said, don't touch any of the spoil, I want it all. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of your tithe. Look, look at your Bible real quickly here again. Look at chapter 6, verse number 18. I'm sorry, verse 19. Verse 19 says about Jericho, but all the silver and golden vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come where? into the treasury of the Lord. Last phrase, verse 24. Put them into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But look at chapter number 8 when it came to Ai. Look at chapter 8, verse number 2. Chapter 8, verse number 2. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and unto her, her king, only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves, lay thee in an ambushing city. Now, so church family, Jericho is a perfect picture of what the tithe is. God says, the first city belongs to me, all the other cities you get to have. God says the tithe belongs to me, the other 90% you get to have. So the, again, the principle here is that, that Achan, he stole from God. Now, listen, I'm not going to stay here on this one point of tithing very long because I want to I preach about the idea of making sure you stay right. But I'm just trying to tell you, church family, if you don't tithe, you're in trouble with the Lord. I've never known who gives, and I'm thankful for it. But I want to tell you something. You know if you give. And tithing ought to be serious from the youngest person in here to the oldest person in here. Because when you steal from God, you're not stealing from the church. You're not stealing from your parents. You're not stealing from the pastor. You're stealing from God. And God's not happy with you. If you make $10, a dollar, that's God's. If you make $100, $10, that's God. God gives you the other 90% to show how much you love him. If you want to give above that 10%, that's your love for God. That's your offering. You don't even begin to give until you give beyond the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. And uh, boy, I tell you, there ought to, you, you ought to put the pressure on yourself or the fear of God on yourself. You better not steal from God. All right, that's his money. Leave it as his money. All righty. Now, with that said tonight, here's what I wanted. Here's the first thought. The importance of all is that all stay right. Achan didn't stay right. He affected everybody else. Listen, there is no doubt that inside this room there are some, or maybe a few, maybe many, I don't know, because I can't see your heart. There are some people in here, you are doing things that are secret sins. Thankfully, it's not presumptuous. We understand the Bible talks about three types of sins. The first type of sin the Bible talks about is sins of errors. Those are sins of ignorance, things that I don't know that are wrong, but as I grow in my faith, I learn, but I'm still doing wrong. Those are sins of ignorance or error. The second type of sin are secret sins. All of them are mentioned in Psalm 19. Secret sins, those are things I don't want anybody else to know about. I know they're wrong, but I'm doing them anyway. Then there are presumptuous sins. Those are the worst kinds of sins. Those are the, those are the ones that are proud and arrogant. I don't care who knows, I'm gonna do it regardless. And by the way, if you're living in that kind of life, you know, same thing. You're in trouble with the Lord when you sin presumptuously. Now, tonight, there might be a few of you like Achan tonight. You're not stealing the tithe, but you're doing things you know you ought not to be doing. And you're under conviction about it. You say, how do, how do you know I'm under conviction about it? Because you're a child of God. That's why I know. If you're saved tonight, you can't just live in sin. And by the way, if you, have, if you have no conviction and no grieving for sin that you're doing that you're, and you're not ashamed of that kind of sin, I'd question it out whether you're saved tonight. 
Because as a child of God, there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. I know I'm not supposed to be doing that. My flesh enjoys doing that. I'm going to do that, but I don't want anybody else to know I'm doing it because I know I shouldn't be doing it. There's a grieving inside of a Christian. That he go, and I'm going to tell you what the grieving is. There's a want-to of your flesh that wants to do it, but there's a spiritual side of you called the inner man that knows you shouldn't, and you grieve inside. Why do I do that? It's because of your flesh. Now, tonight we don't have time to teach on the flesh as far as what you need to do, but there's several things you can do. Number one, starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Number two, don't provide for whatever that, that flesh, fleshly thing is. Don't provide for it. Don't put yourself around it. If it's an enticement, get rid of it. Ask God on a regular basis. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. Ask God, God, forgive me of my sin, and please help me to get the victory. There's several things you can do to get the victory. But listen to me tonight. A chain is only as strong as its weakest, weakest link. And I'm just trying to tell you that we are a congregation and we are a body of Christ here. And all of us are important tonight. And if you have sin in your life, you're affecting the body of Christ. You say, well, I'll just, I'll just leave church. That's not the answer. The answer is you get right with God. The answer, is not, the answer is not, well, you know, I don't need to be here because I'm going to hurt the church. No, the answer is, is you confess your sin to God, you get right with God, and you make the church stronger because every member is necessary. All are important in this area of staying right. Are there any perfect Christians, yes or no? no? All right, there are not. There are no perfect Christians. And sometimes people will come to this church and they'll get looking at other families and you think that's a perfect family. There are no perfect families here. And if you, if you really don't know that, come talk to me. I'll tell you how imperfect everybody is. No perfect families in this church, from the pulpit to the pew. There are no perfect families in here. You do not have to live a discouraging life. All you have to understand is, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. All you have to understand is, is the great, the great God that we served is the one that helps lift up the fallen. God doesn't stop us, he lifts us up. And I'm going to tell you, you're necessary. Listen to me tonight. I don't know what kind of sin that you're dealing with in your life, and Satan's got a stranglehold on your life, but I'm just trying to tell you, the weapons of our, of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're spiritual. You have a Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen. You have a book in your hand that's more quick and powerful than and sharper than any two-edged sword. God can give you the victory over any sin in your life, and if you say to yourself, man, I just, if somebody found this out... It's not a matter of somebody. It's a matter God already knows. So what you've got to understand is this, is that you're important tonight. You know what makes you important? Because you're part of the body. You know, God gave us the perfect illustration. But when we look at a person, like for instance, Brother Mooney, when we look at Brother Mooney, we don't say, boy, what a wonderful arm he has. We don't look at Brother Mooney and say, hmm, nice nose you got. When we refer to Brother Mooney, we don't refer to the parts of his body. We just refer to, that's Brother Mooney. When people refer to the Heritage Baptist Church, they refer to us as a church body. They don't refer to us most of the time as individual people. Why? Because we're all members of one body. That's why it's important for all of us to make sure that we're well spiritually. I want to tell you something. Um, when you have a sore or when you have a sickness, that part of the body aches, but it still affects the entire body. I want to tell you something, when your spirit's not right with God, you're affecting the whole body. Now, I'm going to go to the next point tonight, but I want to tell you something. You've got to stop letting the devil tell you that you're unimportant, it doesn't matter what you do. You're a member of the body of Christ. And we can throw the name Heritage Baptist Church out the window. There's something bigger than a name, it's called Christ. The Bible says he's the head of the church. What? He's the head of what? He's the head of the body of believers that are at this particular church. It's important for you to stay right with God. 
importance of all staying right. We see that in Achan as God mentions him as part of Israel. Second thing I want you to see tonight, look at your body again. I'm sorry, look at your Bible, not your body. <laughs> Guys are terrible. All right, look at chapter 7, look at verse number 3. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. Now look at this next phrase. Make not all the people to what? Now, church family, I wish I had stopped and studied that a little bit longer because my memory doesn't tell me. I know there was at least 30,000 that went on the other side of Ai between Bethel and Ai uh, in order to be able to do an ambush. Uh, he had, uh, Joshua had all the men of war with him, which was more than 30,000. And you had, uh, and, and it mentions another 5,000, but there's, you're probably, I mean, you're talking, it could have been 100,000 to, to, to win a battle of 12,000. Now, I want to tell you, in most churches, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, and 90% of the people are willing to let that 10% do it. Now, at the Heritage Baptist Church, I know we're in this COVID situation and we're not running all the different places that we were going to about a year ago. But, but church family, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Do not allow this time to cause us to slow down in the sense, and I know that we're all busy, we haven't just all just laid down and died uh, because we all, I'm not going to touch it, but anyway... <laughs> Because uh, we, we've, but we have stuff to do at the Heritage Baptist Church. Just when we're about to start this church, this, this church plan, and I'm so thankful that there's something that we can really go after as a body or as a whole, that there's something that everybody can do. Uh, fly, a flyer distribution as far as trying to cover uh, Topeka as well as this Metroplex. 123,000 in the city of, of Topeka, 232,000 in the uh, metro area of Topeka. There's going, to be, there's going to be a lot to do. There's going to be, once we get the buildings, there's going to be a time of, of trying to re, um, remodel and structuring of that. There's going to be door-to-door soul winning. It's going to take us at least five, six, seven weeks of just simply hours and hours of every day knocking on doors to be able to get a list of people who are interested in a fundamental Bible Baptist church starting or a new convert that's interested in a, in a fundamental independent Bible-believing Baptist church starting and getting a group of nucleus of people together. It's going to take um, two or three weeks of getting acquainted meetings, of getting people to come and getting to know what the church church doctrine is and getting them to come and getting to meet the pastor and all of these things there's going to be a process that's going to have to take place I'm just telling you everyone's necessary listen to me tonight if we weren't doing a church plant every member would still be necessary a few does not need to do the labor all of us need to do the labor I know this is not a bible verse but many hands make come here uh, uh. How are you doing? Riley, thank you. It was coming. It took me a minute. All right, Riley, I want you to pick up this Lord's table all by yourself and don't break the glass. Both hands over your head. Okay. All right, come on up here. Matthew, I know your name. So every once in a while my mind goes blank. I don't know why it does that, but anyway. Don't say a word. <laughs> Tell you. All right. You know, are these things going to break if they get, drop them? There. Okay, I'm going to take these off because I don't trust you guys. All right, let me set you guys over here. All right, guys, go ahead and pick it up. All right, that's not bad. That's not bad, all right? Now, I need you to, can you turn this way? Is there anything else going to break before they move? Plugged in. It's plugged in? I'll unplug you. Yeah, I wouldn't take the plug with you. There you go. 
All right, nothing else there? Okay. I want you to run back to Brother Stumpf and run back this way. That's not a very good run. All right, come back here, come back here, come back here. All right. All right, Silas, come on up here real quick here. Uh, Israel, you've got one arm, forget you. Daniel, come on up for a second. All right. All right, one on each corner. All right, now I want you to run back there this time with it. One on each corner. Run, run the Lord's table down there and run it right back. All right? Wow. Uh, that is not the best illustration I've ever used. <laughs> All right, thank you. Go ahead and turn it back around, put it back in place. You actually didn't, didn't break it. I'm very happy. All right, now, Church family, when I asked Riley, Fellowship Week, when I asked Riley to do it, Riley couldn't do that. When I had two people, they couldn't run with it with two people, but you put four people and the thing just takes off. Now, why does it do that? Again, because of all. Because of all. I'm just trying to tell you, every person is necessary around here. Now, listen, you've got you to throw this idea out, your, out, out the window. Well, pastor can go soul winning. Or the deacons can go soul winning. Or the Sunday school teachers can go soul winning. I'm just trying to tell you that we are a congregation. We're a body of Christ. We work together around here. And we ought to work together for the cause of Christ. And I know that we all don't have the same spiritual gifts. And, thank, and God uses all of our spiritual gifts for the part of the body that he wants us to. But all I'm trying to say is, is this. Don't get lazy. Don't get lazy in your spiritual work. You say, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. You're part of this body of Christ. And, not, and I know right now it just seems like it's, it's kind of an unusual time. But can I tell you, there are things that you can do around the church. Help me out here, Sarah. Who's, who's doing the cleaning around here right now? Uh, so the college girls help out with the, basically the cleaning. Hey, I want to tell you something. There's, we've got three buildings here, and you know, I'm glad I don't hear anybody complain, and, and they, God bless you for that. But nobody should be complaining about anything that's not clean around here, because if it's not clean, you should be cleaning it. And I don't know how many times you're going to walk by that tile. Do you know how many tiles are broken around here? Church, do you know that I'm paying somebody else to come in twice a month just to help get some of the stuff fixed around here? They're not even a member of this church. Awful quiet in here. All I'm trying to say, if you're, a college, I don't know, if you're college age, if you're an adult, I know you work a 40-hour week. Some of you work 60-hour week, and you're great people. But I'm just trying to tell you, don't get lazy. You see something that needs fixed around here. We don't have a large enough staff right now to be able to pay people just to go do stuff. Brother Daniels, he's just stretched about as thin as he can go. I'm just trying to say is that it takes Everybody. And you know what they said? Oh, just let two or three, do it, just let two or three thousand go. You know what God said? Send them all. Why? Because we're a body of Christ here. We need everybody. The importance of all when it comes to staying right, the importance of all when it comes to laboring together. We've got to keep the work up. It's the work of the ministry, amen? Hey, church family, just remember, you're going to be in heaven forever one of these days. Amen. Right? So the years that you have right now, I mean, Yes, it's tiring. You're trying to take care of your job. You're trying to take care of your family. And then you're trying to take care of ministry or church. Hey, listen, just don't drop off the ministry side of things because you've got a lot going on. Find out what the Lord wants you to do. Be a part of what's going on. All right? Be help. All right, last of all, I'll be done quickly. Look at chapter number eight with me. This is kind of interesting. In chapter number eight, now remember now, chapter number six, you have the, uh, the walls of Jericho falling down. Chapter number seven, You've got Achan being uh, killed for stealing. In chapter number 8, you've got them going back to Ai. In chapter 8, verse number 1, he says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war 
Verse number three, again, take all, or I'm sorry, and Joshua rose and all the people of war. Verse number five, he took all the people. Verse number 11, and all the people. Verse number 13, and when they had set the people, even all the host. Verse number 15, and Joshua and all Israel. Verse number 21, and when Joshua and all Israel. Verse number 24, last phrase, and all the Israelites returned. Now, the thing that's mentioned most out of all of those alls is the men of war. He said, I want them all fighting. Now, church family, this last thing I want you to think about tonight is this, is we're in a fight. Amen. He told Timothy that you might fight the good fight of faith. It, 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 this is not, you know, just for enjoyment. This is not a rest. We're in a battle. We understand that. Satan's our enemy. In 1 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In 1 Timothy 1, 18, he said that to fight the, uh, that might fight, I'm sorry, that that might war a good warfare. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Hey, Satan's against you. Satan's against you. That's why you have all the worldly enticements. Satan's against you. That's why you have a struggle with your flesh. Satan's against you. This, this, this is a fight. This is a battle going on. That's why you have offenses with the brethren, because Satan's against you. That's why you might have a problem or two in your marriage, your family, because Satan's against you, and he's doing everything to destroy you. Why? He can't take away your salvation. He can only take away your sanctification. He can't stop you from going to heaven, but he can stop your influence while you're on this earth. It's a fight. And you know what God said when he says go to Ai? He says, I want you to go Ai, but I want you to take everybody. Church family, we're in this thing together. Hey, I'm going to say it again if you don't mind. I, I am so thankful for the Heritage Baptist Church during COVID coming to church. I'm thankful. I'll tell you, when I see all the things that's gone, gone, gone on since last March, and again, I don't mind being redundant, redundant, it irritates the fire of me because all COVID was was a test of our Christianity. That's all it was. And church, I mean, just look at the stats. You know, it's amazing how high COVID can go up, but all of a sudden there's no flu, and it's no flu now. How crazy. Yes, it was a bad strain of flu, and, and yes, it, it attacked those who were older. But church, I mean, it, 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 COVID was not enough to shut our nation down. That's Scott Hanks' opinion. It was not enough to shut our nation down. I don't care what people say. This is foolishness. But you know what happened? Christians, instead of going to God, immediately went to doctors. Christians, instead of believing the Bible, all of a sudden believe politicians. And of course, we all know politicians, they never lie. <laughs> Hindsight's 2020, and I am so thankful that the Heritage Baptist Church, I was talking to a pastor this week, and um, he was asking me, I can't remember who it was, probably the best that I don't remember, but... They were, they were asking me, what should they do? And I said, listen, the church is supposed to follow the pastor. And what you decide is going to make a difference. And I want to tell you, I learned my lesson from you. Because this church stayed stable all through COVID. And people came to church, even under threat of being arrested and fined, you still came to church. And you know what? You're still in church. Amen. Can I tell you, there's a bunch of churches, they still haven't got their congregation back. That's right. That's you know why? Because they got used to pajamas and coffee. Don't even think about it. 
Well, I can just have church and sit home in my pajamas and watch the preacher. I want to tell you something. You need an old-fashioned altar that you can come down and bend a knee to God. You need a congregation of singing that you can hear God being praised. You need a preacher that can see you in your eyeballs and not some screen. Story was told in Europe, a fellow that he'd be, he went for his, one of his last legacies, he wanted to build a church building and he did. I don't know his name, this calls him a nobleman. This nobleman went and went to this great expense to build this, this church building for the people of this particular community. When it was finally all built, he invited the people of the community to come and see the church building and the people came in and were in awe. They were in awe because the place was so beautiful and uh, with the, the decor and everything was really just, again, really, really nice. But one thing that was missing in the building, somebody noticed and asked and as they came inside the building and said, hey, listen, there's no lighting in here. Where's, where's the lighting? The nobleman said, there's latches on all the way around on the walls next to the seating in the auditorium. He says, I'm not only building this building, but I'm going to give each of you as a family, I'm going to give you your own lamp. It was, a bro it was a bronze lamp. He says, I'm going to give each of you, your family, your own bronze lamp. He says, because when you have church, the only thing that's going to light that building up is those lamps that each family brings, and you will light your area of the church. But he says, when you don't come, your area is going to be dark. Church family, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. If you're saved tonight, Jesus is the light of the world and he's got a lamp inside of us because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. What causes this assembly to be what it is is because of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us because of our salvation. And God knew when he put this assembly together that every part of the body, whether it was a pink ear or a toe or an eye or an ear, that it would all be part of the body. And he gave us all our own spiritual gifts to make up one body of Christ. And this particular body is in Lawrence, Kansas. And we're supposed to affect our community, our surrounding communities in the world. And I'm just trying to tell you that it's important for all of us to stay right with God. It's important for all of us to labor. And it's important for all of us to fight the good fight. We need to be in the war. I want all the men of the war, I want them there. You say, but it was, God, it's only 12,000 men. I don't care. I want, all, everybody's going to go into the fight. You know, some of you, um, your fight is not physical. Your fight is on your knees. You know, your, your fight is not standing up against somebody trying to keep us from having church. Your fight's a spiritual battle. You know, we're going to find out one of these days when we get before God and the crowns are given out, judgment seat of Christ, that the reason there's even a church here is because of you, you that pray, you that witness, you that keep your walk with God right. It's a battle, it's a fight. Some of you, you feel like you're fighting alone because maybe your spouse isn't on board. Some of you feel like you're fighting alone because you're a first-generation Christian. Some of you sometimes feel like you're fighting alone because you're up in age and it's a struggle. Listen, you gotta be like Apostle Paul to the end of your days and then at the end of day you say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. Hey listen, you grayhead folks in here, you know that what I'm saying is true that more and more of this younger generation are just walking off to the side and they don't have the strength or the courage to stand for Christ, they're weak. I wanna tell you something, to the day you die you gotta fight. Stand for what's right. And you, some of you gray head folks in here, you don't have to hide with this church here. We're not politically correct. 
If it's biblical, it's right. You're all necessary. You know, I'm so glad that the Lord let me stay in the same place to see people grow up and have children. You know, just thinking about Jake and Elizabeth, you know, having Juliet and now having another one on the way. You know, Jake was five when I came. Am I correct on that, Jake? Five years old. I remember the day we were having the fellowship and Jake went up and got himself a donut. I said, hey, listen, you need to go get another one. When he came back, that donut was gone because I ate it. He'd go up and get another one. He's five years old, go up and get another one. I said, hey, you need to go back up there. And when he was gone, I ate that one. I don't know how many donuts I ate that day, but it was quite a few. Hey, I'm going to tell you, you're necessary. You're necessary. Everybody's necessary. Stay right with God. Stay laboring. Don't, don't. Don't say, hey, I'm not needed. You are needed. And don't give up the fight. It's a spiritual fight. Stay in the book. Stay right with God. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as roaring lion, seeking many to devour. Don't be one of those people he devours. Stay right. Let me say this last thing and I'm done. This next generation that's coming behind us, you, you young people that are in your 20s, maybe even early 30s, I want to tell you something. The stability of this church is not just its, its aged. It's in its youth. I hope that you don't just sit in a service and quote unquote enjoy the service. I hope that you're part of it. Because I want to tell you something, it's not going to be long. We're going to be off the picture. If God tarries is coming, we're going to be out of the way. You're, you're what's next. I want to tell you, it's going to be a sad thing if I'm in heaven and I see a bunch of drums on the pulpit area. I'm going to come back. Just letting you know. I know there's things that are going to be what we call contemporary you know, make things a little bit easier, you know, let's move the pulpit out of the way, let's dress down when it comes to church, let's make the music a little more praise and worshipy, let's have our own little praise and worship team up there as far as leading the songs. I'm just telling you, this church doesn't need that. And there needs to be a younger generation that understands it as a conviction and not just as a hearing. The gray head knows where that goes. Just... I'm not telling you to, but if you were to walk into any non-denominational church, it's real quickly you'd be able to find out by walking into something like that how sensual That's right. and fleshly that is. That's not spiritual. Well, you know, they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Okay? They believe that now, but you keep going down that road, they won't even believe that. That's right. Hey, you're, need, you're needed... Youngest to the oldest, you're needed. You know why? Because the importance of all. Achan, did he sin? Yes, he did. But when it came to Jericho, send everybody in. When it came to Ai the first time, oh, let's not send everybody. When it comes to Ai the last time, God said, send everybody in. All. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?